0: Let's pray as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to explore what your word, what the Bible has to say to us this morning. May your spirit illuminate and make clear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So how do you know if someone's a Christian? How do you know if you yourselves are a Christian? Now, we can't go and reach into someone's heart and have a look, and so we tend to look at externals, don't we? And probably the most public external thing that we do is go to church. That's one way, maybe, to tell if someone's a Christian. Maybe that's how I can tell if I'm a Christian, because I go to church. I mean, just look at the people around you. And our family and our neighbours, they'll know when we leave from church and when we return, And our colleagues or friends, colleagues at work or friends, will know we go to church if they ask us what we did in the weekend and if we've been honest. So, is going to church a way that we can understand if others or we are a Christian? Well, most church folk realise that's not how it works. Someone once quipped that going to church does not make someone a Christian in the same way that going to McDonald's does not make one a hamburger there has to be a little bit more than that and you see though the bible does stress the importance of meeting together for fellowship and for worship and advancing the kingdom uh, our meeting together at church is a byproduct an outworking an overflow of us being a christian it doesn't make us a christian but it's an overflow of being a christian and so to work out whether we are a christian we have to dig a little deeper and say well what does the bible indicate, makes us a Christian. And so if there was one verse in the Bible that describes what makes a Christian and you had to turn to it for yourself or someone else, what do you think that verse would be? This is a test. That's the first and second commandments, but I did hear someone else say John 3.16. Isn't that the wonderful place to start, isn't it? And even though many of us know what it is, let's have a look at John three. 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And this is what makes someone a Christian. It's believing in Jesus, that God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die in our place. Why? So instead of eternal death, perishing, we can have eternal life with our heavenly Father. And some people will then say, well, is that it? Is that all? Is it just believing? Is that what makes me a Christian? And the answer is, well, yes and no. For being a Christian starts and ends with believing in Jesus. We never get away from having faith in him. However, there must be something more than believing because of James chapter 2, verse 19. This is a wee bit of a disturbing verse If you haven't come across it before, let me read to you James 2.19. You believe that there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Wow, that's a bit surprising if you haven't come across that, have you? Even the demons believe in God. Even the demons believe, in fact, they know that Jesus rose from the dead because they inhabit a spiritual world where these truths are very clear. So their believing, the believing of demons, has no saving benefit whatsoever. Their fate is eternal condemnation in the fires of hell. So our believing that brings us salvation must be very different to the believing of the demons. There must be a different quality, a different focus of our believing. So what is the difference of John 3.16 compared to the believing of demons in James chapter 2, verse 19. well, This is where Romans chapter 10, verse 9 is so wonderful, because it's the second go-to verse when it comes to finding out whether we are a Christian or not. It builds on the idea of believing and qualifies it and helps us understand it. So, let's have a look at Romans 10, verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord... And if you believe in your heart that God raised them from the dead, you will be saved. So see how this verse expands on John 3.16. It emphasizes the quality of our believing. Our believing is from the heart, deep down. It's not just a head acknowledging of the facts. And that's what demons believe. They acknowledge the facts that there is a God and they acknowledge the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. But they do not believe in their hearts. Believing in the heart, from the heart, from the core of our being, is what affects our salvation. And a natural overflow of this is that we confess Jesus as Lord, our Lord. We submit to Jesus as Lord. And this is something the demons will never do. They will acknowledge that that Jesus rose from the dead, but they will never call Jesus Lord. They are in constant, heartfelt rebellion against Jesus. They will never bow the knee unless it's by force. And this is the difference between Christians and demons. We believe from our heart and we gladly bow our knee. To Jesus is Lord. We submit to him. This is the difference. And this difference has an outworking in our faith. You see, being submitted to Jesus helps us be sure that we're saved. How do we know we're not fooling ourselves? How do we know that we're just not coming to church and hoping that we're saved? How do we know we actually are saved? Well, part of that, a big part of that is, do you call Jesus Lord? Do you submit to him and his word even when it costs and even when it hurts? Because if we call Jesus Lord and don't submit to him, then we're a little different than the demons. Now, that's an extreme, but you get my point. Now Peter, we're going to turn to Peter now because Peter spends a lot of time in his letter from where we're up to now describing what it is to submit to Jesus. What does it look like to have Jesus as Lord? So far in the book of Peter there's been a lot of wonderful encouragement to the Christians that are suffering about who they are in Christ and the wonderful treasures. Last time we were in Peter we had a look at this tremendous verse here where Peter declares that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into this wonderful light. And now his letter shifts after describing who we are in Christ and the wonderful blessings and encouragement that we have, the joy that we have in Christ. He's saying, well, what does this look like? What does it look like to have Jesus as Lord? And so just a bit of an overview of what's happening next through the letter of Peter. And so we find, in 1 Peter chapter two, verse 13 and 14, Peter writes, "Submit yourself for the Lord's sake, to every authority instituted among men, whether it be to the king or to governors." So one of the things that it is to submit to Jesus is to submit to the civil law. Next thing in verse 18. Slaves submit yourselves to masters, with all respect. That's what it is to be a Christian. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. Thinking of getting Tony to preach that sermon when we come to that. What do you think, Tony? Would you? <laughs> uh, I'm joking aside. We'll come across that in in a few weeks. And even though I do say I'm hesitant, I'm not. I'm looking forward to preaching that passage. Husbands in the same way. We're going to open what that means up in a few weeks. But notice the theme of submission as it carries through to elders. Elders be eager to serve. And in chapter 5, continuing young men in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. So these are all ways that Peter is going to draw out how we know we are a Christian because Jesus is our Lord. What does that look like in practice? Now for today, we're going to focus the rest of this message on verses 11 and 12, which is kind of a bit of a transition couple of verses. And uh, in these verses, we're going to look on, pick up the theme on how do we know we are Christians. There's four characteristics that this passage can help assure us that we're on the right track and that we're not just fooling ourselves, that we're not just turning up to church with our fingers crossed, hoping we are saved. But how do we know we are saved? So, 1 Peter chapter 2, from verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day he visits us. So, four characteristics that help us understand if we are Christians. When we submit to these characteristics, then it helps us grow in our faith. So what's the first characteristic? Well, notice that Peter refers to us as alien and strangers in this world. Aliens and strangers. You see, there's a sense where every Christian believes or understands that they don't belong here in this world, that deep down this is not our true home. You see, we may be settled in a lovely house with family we love, uh, whether it be in the Mount or Papamoa or across the bridge in Tauranga. We may feel very settled and we may be proud to be a New Zealander. But for Christians, there's a sense we we are aliens and strangers in this world we don't quite fit. For as the world rejected Jesus, so does the world reject those who follow Jesus faithfully and authentically. As the world accused Jesus, so the world accuses his followers as they faithfully follow Jesus. In fact, receiving false accusations is the second characteristic that this passage brings out. We can know we are Christians when we are falsely accused when we hold on to biblical standards and behaviour. And nowhere is this clearer in New Zealand today when it comes to sexual standards. When Christians uphold biblical standards of sexuality, when we say sex is confined to a husband and wife within marriage, uh, the Bible describes sex as a beautiful thing, but confined to husband and wife In marriage, when we hold that standard to the wider community, then we are accused of being bigoted, of being hateful, of being abusive to those who have different views. So, whether it's a straight person who believes sex is okay outside marriage, they are very angry with us if we say no, sex should be confined to a husband and wife. And for those of the LGBT community, Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. They are very upset when Christians hold biblical standards on sexuality. It's the accusations that Peter is talking about here is labelled on us when we hold true to God's word. Now, (laughs) I would much rather be able to say, no, I don't agree with you people out there. You can do whatever you want. That would make my life a lot easier. You know what I mean? I don't agree with the LGBT's expression of sexuality. I'd much rather say, though I don't agree with it, you just do whatever you like as long as it's safe and consensual. It would be easy, wouldn't it? But it's not the biblical standards that we're called to uphold. Uh, we as a church are called to be prophetic, to challenge the community, and to say biblical standards for sex is within marriage because we do we are accused and all the generations of Christians have spoken into the different culture of their time and have upset it because that's what the Bible does the Bible in some places affirms values within the culture and at other places it challenges values in the culture and when we are accused for upholding biblical standards then that's a, a sign that we're on the right track no matter how unpleasant it is. So that's the second characteristic of Christians that are being faithful. The third characteristic that we see here in uh, verses 11 to 12 is that Christians are known for their good deeds, that we strive to live lives that are worthy of the living God. Verse 12 says, Live such good lives that they may see your good deeds. For as we intentionally follow the great commandment, the great commandment to love God and to love our neighbour as ourselves, as we follow that, then people pause and notice a difference. In a world that's lost its moral compass, in a world that's fractured and divided into us and them, in a world where self-gain, even at an expense of others, is prolific, then seeing people that live good lives in humble submission to Jesus is attractive and makes people stop and pay attention. And the fourth characteristic to help us know whether we are Christians or not is to abstain from sinful desires. Now, before we were Christians, we were plagued by sinful desires with little will or reason to resist. And though committing to our lives to Jesus makes a huge difference, it doesn't in no way remove the temptations that are common to all humans. I mean, We are human, and because we are human, then we will be tempted, just like everyone else is. Because we are Christian, we have resources to be able to withstand, to abstain, but it doesn't make us free from temptation. Even Jesus was tempted, so how can we expect to be free from these evil desires that bubble up? Jesus didn't have evil desires that bubbled up. He was tempted from the outside. We have both. James is a good place to show how dangerous this can be. James 1 describes the process for a Christian or a non-Christian if we let evil desires take control. James chapter 1, verse 14, But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he or she is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, which is fully grown, gives birth to death. And so we need to be careful. Now, each of us has different vulnerabilities. Some of us battle misuse of alcohol or gambling or sexual desires or pornography. But there can also be other evil desires that bubble up that are less dramatic. Things like gossip, manipulation, revenge, unforgiveness, bitterness. We can let these evil desires bubble up and take hold. Yes, though each of us are tempted in different ways, though each of us are tempted... Now there's a whole sermon, if not a whole sermon, series on how Christians can abstain from evil desires that bubble up from us. However, what's key for today is that the fact is that when they do bubble up, we resist them. We recognise them and say, this is not right. This does not honour God's word. This does not please my heavenly Father. I will resist. Now, does that mean we get it right all the time? Well, no, we don't get it right all the time. All the time, in fact, uh, today there may be some folk that are really struggling in an area of their life, uh, and I pray that God will give you the relief and the strength to persevere. And it comes in season, sometimes we're fine, and then this evil desire, this temptation bubbles up, and we don't know where it came from, and we need to be alert. But the fourth characteristic the fourth characteristic of being a Christian is is that when those evil desires come, we resist. So let's bring all this together. Let's go back to the question we started with. How do we know we're a Christian? Well, believing is absolutely key. Absolutely key. But it's a different believing from that of the demons. For it's a believing that is from the heart and is from the whole being. It's a belief that's centred on God and on how he raised Christ from the dead and has brought us into a wonderful and delightful relationship with our Heavenly Father. But it's also a belief that sees us confess that Jesus is Lord. It's not good enough just to say in our minds, yes, we believe Jesus rose from the dead. We need to bow our knee and say, I will follow you, Jesus, even when it's tough. And then we spent some time looking at 1 Peter verses 11 of 12 of chapter 2 to help us help us to come to some real practical understanding of how we know we're a Christian. And we, we looked at the factors that there's a sense that Christians don't belong in this world, that we are aliens and strangers. This is not our true home. But there's a part of us that longs for the time when Jesus will return and we will be in our Heavenly Father's presence forever. Second, we saw that Christians are accused when they hold to biblical standards and truths. And that's hard, because in our culture there's this significant pressure to be tolerant to all things. Now, tolerance in itself is a virtue, but there are some things that we do not tolerate. I mean, that's why we have laws, don't we? Civil laws, because there are boundaries. And so there are times when we will hold to biblical standards And the world around us will accuse us as they accuse Jesus. third thing we looked at will be known for our good deeds, and that's great. And Christians are noted for that and tend to do a good job, and there's an encouragement to keep doing that. And fourthly, an abstinence a resisting the evil desires that bubble up within us. And we don't always get it right, as I said before. Some of us struggle big time, but at the end of the day... A Christian is someone committed to be more like Jesus while delighting in the steadfast love of our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that coming into your kingdom, becoming your daughter and son, is as straightforward as believing in Jesus and believing from the heart. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will make that truth uh, go deep, deep, deep down, so that it will ring true no matter what our circumstances. And help us to understand what it is to call Jesus Lord, to submit to him and do what he wants, even when it costs. We're all learning along that track, Lord. But we, we pray that you'll help us to stand faithful and true to him who died for us. We pray this through his name. Amen.